welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to another episode of the Built on Air podcast. This is season 10, episode four, coming at you live every Tuesday. Good to be with you. We have uh, myself, Dan Fellers, our regulars, Ali and Camille. Welcome back. And we have a semi-regular face with us, Jen Rudd. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to to have you with us. We have a great show for you today. And as always, the Built on Air podcast is an hour-long episode we do live every Tuesday. We'll go through four different segments. I'll quickly highlight what we're going to be talking about. We always like to start off talking about what's going on in the different communities of Round the Bases. And then I'll do a highlight on On to Air, our primary sponsor. Well, then Jen will walk us through a CRM that she's built, and then we'll learn about the new conditional automations that just launched, and then another highlight on our built-on-air community, and then finally, Allie will walk us through a cool hack that she's put together for us. So that's our show for today. going to get started with our Around the Bases, and I'm going to hide our background so that you can actually see us. There you go. <laughs> Um, so I thought it was only relevant that we do our third, this is probably the topic, the first topic we've actually covered three times in a row. (laughs) So last week we had a uh, table talk from Airtable that covered two topics and I figured it'd be worthwhile, uh, getting opinions on thoughts on how that table talk went. Um, this is the thread in the community just talking about the table talk. This was the last comment that's there from a couple days ago. Some uh, Carlstons, I'm not familiar with who that is in the community, but um, not the news they wanted to wake up to. Um, and uh, general feedback, you know, losing some some trust in, in Airtable and their table talks and what uh, news they're going to pull on us. So. Anybody willing to talk about last week's table talk? Yeah, it wasn't great. 
uh, it was, like you said, it was two topics. The first topic was the changes to the recent plans. And the second topic was conditional automations. And the second portion was fine. It was, you know, a new feature being demoed and, um, you know, it's a, something that we'll be talking about today as well and what you can do with it. But the first half was uh, some of the language is just still not clear about what these automations mean and hopefully you know in the coming days some of that gets cleared up and i'm just as mad as i was last week and the week before about it but at this point i'm going to i've 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 been very piece. much on record with my various complaints and i will leave it there. yeah jen any thoughts on your end uh, i still had a problem with the one percent of air of pro users were the ones that had the um, that were, would be affected by the syncing and the apps. Uh, that number seemed a little low, and I also thought that maybe some of those pro users were probably supported by developers, so they probably were pushing the limits of Airtable. So I still think that there should be a step between pro and enterprise that allows for tinkering or power users. So I, I just don't know if they don't think that one percent is enough or you know, what 1% that number actually translates to the number of users. So yeah, that, that yeah. it was just a little low for me, but I, I can see where that, they're just looking, oh, 1% is not a big deal. And maybe it yeah, is. Yeah, and there was, there was confusion on that. Some people were saying they said 1% abuse the apps versus, or actually use more than 10. What was their exact wording? I can't remember. They said I, that 1% would be affected because I watched it like four times. <laughs> yeah. So, so for people who are currently on a pro plan, your pro plan stays the same unless you actively change it to the new pro plan. So, you know, current pro plan users and free users shouldn't be affected by these changes unless they were to change it. Now, what's part of what's unclear to me is I have several, no account is on a pro plan. All workspaces right. on pro plans or free plans or plus plans. So I have several pro plans. If I were to make a new workspace, does that new workspace get the old plan or the new one? I don't know. So <laughs> I just feel like part of the language that was used both in this ta table talk and in the announcement post in the support article could have been more clear in that regard. And there's a few other things that aren't super, super clear. But one of the comments made was the reason why pro plan, new pro plans are limited to 10 apps and I think seven sync integrations is because 99% of their users um, use 10 or less or seven or less. Um, and I don't have the numbers, that's probably true. However, I still think the number 10 is bad, so. <laughs> I've, I've said it before and I'm not going to go into it again, but my, my hope in the future is that they either increase that limit a little bit um, or they introduce something that, you know, if you need an extra two apps or an extra two sync integrations that you could just pay a small monthly fee to get that additional bit without having to jump into enterprise because that you know, it's, a, it's difficult to sign up for enterprise or at least it is difficult today. So either they make that you know, easier or uh, they make it so you can, if you need the that 11th app, you shouldn't have to jump through 10,000 hoops to get that extra app. Definitely. I promise I'll stop talking about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> One, 
I thought I saw a screenshot that somebody had of the pricing page that showed the new breakout. I thought somebody maybe in the built on air community posted a picture like a snapshot, but it doesn't look like they've updated their pricing page yet with the new limitations. Yeah, I think they were saying there's a rollout period for these changes. It's not immediate. Um, That's also confusing because the support article says starting January, some date that's already in the past. So I just clear language would have been nice. Also, too, when you sign up through the sales page, it will show you the unlimited apps. But when you go to upgrade, it will say the new packages. Uh, okay. Maybe that's where their screenshot came from. Kavan is saying if you browse what, in incognito mode, you might that's be what to... That's what I'm in, Kavan. I'm oh. in incognito right here. No one knows. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> There were pros and cons with these recent changes, like free plans will be able to use um, one app in addition to scripting. Scripting is free, or the scripting app rather is free. You can use one additional app like Chart or Page Designer or something like that. That's fun. And Plus Plans is no longer useless. It used to be useless and now it's not. Um, So that's great. Positives. I'm happy now. See the smile. (laughs) So... Maybe, I don't know, we can't, we'll uh, maybe table this for a bit. We'll see, see what they, what they respond with. And they did mention on Table Talk that they're in meetings regularly discussing. And if you followed the chat in the Table Talk, they definitely heard feedback from the community. (laughs) So, and it continued on and, and I, I believe Mary was, was the, uh, developer's name that um, that uh, was showcasing the the new features and mm-hmm. and um, I think people were listening to her, but definitely in the comments was was focused more on the initial part. Yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely table this for now. So we'll see. Maybe Airtable will will enlighten us with some future news on that front. So. We'll continue on. The next one was the second half. We already kind of talked about that. So big new feature, conditional automations. Camille's going to walk us through how this works. So here's the uh, announcement on that. And uh, so check out, they've got a video talking about how you can use it. We're going to dive deep into the good, the bad, and maybe the ugly of conditional logic and automations. So we'll continue on. Next one, um, I think there was a post in the community as well, but um, uh, they posted, uh, well, actually, this is different. I didn't see this in the community. This is a different one. Um, No, 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 this is the same one. Yeah, there was, I guess, when yesterday or, yeah, yesterday, there was uh, um, emails going out um that you if you went that it's telling you that you went over your automations limit but that those were sent in air Mm -hmm. so if you got a bunch of emails um you could ignore those or check your workspace settings to to verify if you're up against your limit so i think it was a little glitch in the system um they were working on they also last week um, their emails when automations were breaking, like legitimate errors, their emails weren't sending for a while, right? And so everybody, I, I know I got from one client like eight hours later, I got tons of emails from 
airs that were happening a day before. Um, so I don't know if you all experienced that. Yeah, I get days later or I get push notifications on my phone like six hours after somebody fills in a contact form. I have yeah. noticed that they show up, that errors do show up pretty much like all of the time. Like I'll get a notification show up on my screen and then like two hours later I'll get an email. Like it's very odd. Also, I want to know how you can redirect those emails to someone else because it comes to the person that created the automation. And I mean, sometimes that's good. I want to get the errors, but sometimes I want to just hand it back to the client and they yeah. should get the errors. So I don't know. Yeah, you can't do that in Airtable. Yeah. It would be great as a addendum to these conditional automation features is if there was like a if error, you know, bit that you could do and say, if this step or this series of steps results in an error, send it to this Slack channel or email this person. And if you don't have that module in there, then default to normal behavior, send it to whoever made the automation. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Or even just being able to define at the automation level where, you know, where do error emails go to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, you have to log in as a person who wants the notifications when you're building out automations if you're building for someone else. Exactly. Yeah. So a few glitches going on if their table, hopefully they're working on stability. And um, I wonder if... Uh, yeah, I don't know. This this might be a precursor that they're starting to maybe crack down on their on their limits and people running over trying to push them to upgrade. Possibly. So we'll see. It's a marketing tactic. Yeah, that's right. All right. Here's a thread from our um, from our built on air community. Uh, this was uh, James Clement asking about um you know, if there's a place or if there's a market for buying and selling base templates. So this has come up a lot. He mentioned Notion. There's there's a ton of activity in that world. Um, and actually, some of you commented, Bill definitely commented here. Uh, I think, Jen, you mentioned, so you're working on something? Yeah, I have a um, softwarepeeps.com. I'm working on creating a marketplace for talent and templates. Is that your website? Nice. All right. So that would be a cool place in the future at some point to uh, yeah. do that. I think some probably. of the challenges was that. No, I was like probably a quarter two at least. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. Some of the challenges with Airtable when you're copying stuff over, like it messes things up. Not everything copies over all the time. Um, so there are some technical limitations that I think have hindered um doing that and uh there there is a we actually had a um company come on that on our show that um is kind of creating a marketplace not so much for the like the air table base and everything but the the data itself right so if you're managing your data in air table and you have like a database that's relevant to other people if you're kind of looking for that that there is a marketplace for the data side of that mm-hmm. um and that not so much like the structure of a base and things so there's a couple options out there but this is definitely an area that i think Airtable needs to 
explore more and, and improve its ability to, to share data. Actually, Vaughn just posted this. <laughs> oh, okay. So in the interesting, they updated the, um, the columns. I could bring that back, see if that's on mine. While you're talking, they would. <laughs> yeah, they did it. They watched the show. Oh, no. See, mine still says unlimited. So they must be A-B testing it. Yeah. I wonder if it's a, um, a regional thing, maybe, or because you're an incognito. So yeah, it's not... I'm incognito. So I'm not signed in. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I see the same thing as you when I look on incognito, unlimited. Are we all West Coast? I'm East Coast. Yes. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, Bonds in Texas. So, yep. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, Kavan talked about that. Um, some follow-ups. Aaron, welcome, Aaron, new viewer. Glad you could be with us. Um, <laughs> Don't pull me back. Don't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Don't want to be mad anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that pretty much sums up, I think, what a lot of people feel. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. I just think it's a small, like small businesses, like with 10 users, like it's just hard to justify this, I don't know, $1,000 a month cost for enterprise, even though it, like it's just when you're paying per seat, it doesn't work out. So paying for value is important, but also like, it's a small company. It's not going to need the same level of admin users and kicking people out if necessary and things like that. Some of the security features that you have in enterprise as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Lots of topics going on. So we've got the pricing issue. So it definitely looks like they're AB testing and, and uh, Kavan seeing it. Kavan's special. They've already <laughs> limited her. <clears throat> so yeah. So if you're, if you're, on the fence, it looks like you could still get the unlimited version of Pro. Uh, I have, I've heard actually, I think Ben and Chris talked about um, buying up some Pro accounts and maybe selling them on the black market in the future. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think There's they're a going marketplace to do it, but for I think you. they pointed out that you can you can transfer a workspace after the fact. So yeah, you know, if you if you still have access to the un, unlimited version. Um, if you can spare it, you might want to make an auxiliary workspace and just keep it just in case for if you ever if you ever need a new one. I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. If you're if you're not app crazy or sync integration crazy, maybe you're, the new pro plans would work for you. Um, but you also don't know if you will need any integrations or eleven apps. Who knows? Yeah, looks like Rebecca's also in the black market as well. So we've got some dealers out there if you're interested. It's like when Canva was selling out licenses and people try to sell them now. It's kind of funny. It's like, it's just Canva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. All right, let's move on. Reddit, there is a, this was interesting. Um, oh, yeah, I saw this one. Did you see this one? Yeah, I can't remember if if uh, you commented on this one, but um, I didn't comment. But uh, people were already in the thread, and they sort of echoed my uh, opinion on it. So you want to explain what's going on? Yeah. So this person has table A linked to table B, 
and they have a record in table A that's linked to, I don't know, five records in table B. They want to duplicate that table A record. Well, the duplicated record is linked to the same uh, records in table B that the first record was. And they were uh, thinking that this might be a bug because in their mind, when they're duplicating a record, it should duplicate all of the linked records as well. That's not a bug. That is uh, how Airtable is designed and um, how the people in the comments, uh, you know, sort of echoed uh, what I just said. Um, there are times where you want um, the table B records to be similar but different, not the exact same ones. But um, a lot, I think it's hard from a software design perspective to, to gauge what percent of the time do you need table B's records to be brand new when table A's record is brand new? And I think Airtable aired on the side of caution and said, eh, keep this exact same data from the record you duplicated. Yeah. Um, there are ways around this um, or workarounds rather. Once you duplicate a record, you could clear out the link to table B and then there are scripts you could run uh, that will take another records records and then duplicate those. It's not ideal for this particular uh, use case, but you know, in general, the that's how the functionality goes. You have uh, records, when you duplicate that record, any data associated with it, as long as that field isn't locked, that data will carry over and it'll be the same data. Very good. I don't, I don't know if Rebecca's comment is related to this. I'm not quite sure, but maybe. I chain up a baby, they don't become Jack and Jill. <laughs> I, I'm sure that makes sense if, we, if she was on the show to explain. I'm going to think very hard about this metaphor. Yeah, I don't know if that's relating to the duplicate record or what. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Side conversations. I, I, I think I kind of get it, but I don't I don't <laughs> want to misinterpret this metaphor because I like the sound of it. Yeah, very good. But that is, I think, I think the bigger picture here is just understanding. I think a lot of people coming into Airtable, you know, the general concept of databases and how they work is can be a struggle for some people and it doesn't quite work the way they think it should. And but I think most of the comments here are kind of in agreement that that probably is the way that it should work. Rebecca says, yes, their names change, uh, but their their names don't change just because they multiply, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. But when you duplicate, yeah. So because you're duplicating, you're not you're not creating children. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but that's where, you know, so yeah, if you want that kind of behavior, you probably need a script or an automation to just duplicate the one fields that you want duplicated in a new record. So, all right, moving on. Let's see what we got. Um, okay, a couple, uh, these are a bit more technical. So we're going to go a little technical. The next couple talk a little bit about coding. Um, there's a couple of threads on Twitter talking about Airtable. And one of the concerns that this person brought up, and I've seen this on the community a couple of times talking about how um, now Airtable isn't SQL and, and how you query from the API is not SQL, but there's kind of this concept of SQL injection where hackers can 
if, if you're not what's called sanitizing your code to um, make sure that you're, you're basically like locking down where people can update. Um, there's a, there's a meme about, uh, um, what, what's, what's the meme about um, Bobby drop tables? You guys know that joke? No. No? I want disconnected from the world. The, they named their kid um, Drop Tables. And, and so like when you insert it into the school's database, uh, they had SQL injection. You know, they had a, a hack. And so because the boy's name was like Drop Tables, Bobby Drop Tables or something like that, I'm going to have to find it. We'll, we'll show it on next week's episode of uh, it's a famous, you know, developer meme or XR. What's the website? XRCD or whatever. I don't know it because I'm a poser. <laughs> All right. We will educate you. But basically, the concept is, is you can actually insert um, uh, SQL that then changes what the query will be. So you could like end what was the SQL query and then insert your own, like delete all from table X or query like a secret table or something um, that the developer didn't intend. And basically you can kind of do something similar with a formula. I don't think it's as, you know, as big of a security flaw um, as what a SQL injection would be, but you can in theory, uh, mess up a, a filter formula in an API by inserting uh, different code in there because there's no way to really sanitize that. Um, so I think there's some options out there. There's some ways to, to do that. Um, and here's some other things on there. So just something to be aware about. If you're a developer, if you're using the REST API from Airtable, something to be aware about if if you're building applications on, on top of that um here's another one and i don't know if this is true so basically today i learned that if you're sending data to the Airtable api and your column is a multiple select with predefined values and you send over data that is not in the predefined list or maybe even spelled differently Airtable will silently reject your data I don't think that's true. That hasn't been my experience working with the REST API. Um, there is a there is a flag on the REST API for uh, casting. Uh, what's that flag? Do you know it, Camille? I don't. Um... Um, there, there's a Boolean that you can pass into your query that um, allows it to um, try its best effort to convert whatever field it is typecast thank you scott scott posted the the answer there um so that yeah you can pass typecast and it will try to convert whatever value you have into whatever Airtable is expecting otherwise it should reject it i've i've uh maybe maybe it does silently maybe that's changed recently um but i think if he added the typecast in there then it should convert whatever um it should create a new uh, dropdown value in here. So my experience is that if you're using something from a, a dropdown and you pass in a value that's not already predefined in Airtable, it will create a new value in there. Um, but that's different than using the scripting app or the or the Blocks SDK. I'm pretty sure if the scripting 
um, you use a name that's not there, it'll throw an error. Yeah, it definitely will. Yeah. yeah, it's a. I wish it were a little bit more uniform in behavior. Um, if you're using an automation step, for instance, and you fill a, a multi-select or single-select field with something that isn't currently an option, it'll just do it. Mm -hmm. um, same thing if you're using Airtable's regular UI, it will just make a new option for you. Um, but yeah. I wish there was a little bit finer control of when you allow someone to make a new option versus not. So sometimes for an automation, I don't want them to insert a new option and there's not really a good way of preventing that outside of a script. Right. There's yeah. um, And they do have a new, I don't, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but a relatively new uh, method in the scripting app that you can create new options. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a function that runs to make sure it exists before it tries to update it. Yeah, yeah, that would be best practice. Yeah, for sure. What about locking down the fields? If, if the person who created the automation is not an editor, they wouldn't be editing the fields. So you could technically lock it up or you can just say, no, nobody can edit it. Would it throw an error in the automation? Yeah, yeah you could. And you can just write into it, check if it exists. And if it doesn't throw an error too. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right to me, Kavan. Yeah. Yeah. So there are definitely, depending on which environment you're in, they all act a bit differently. So you kind of have to just do lots of trial and error. Um, but if it silently rejects your data, that's, that's frustrating. I, I don't yeah. think I've experienced that. Usually it will, reject it with an error or it will automatically um, create that new option in there. So maybe somebody wants to play around with that and confirm. So, all right, let's keep on with the coding. Our friend Bill French um, shared some insights here on using AI. There's some cool stuff. Um, going in the world if you're if you're um, into coding and you want to check out kind of some AI tools of how to he uses it a lot for documentation I haven't personally gotten to this level yet um, mainly because I don't I don't use uh, Visual Studio for my developer environment um, but I think this is pretty cool and this definitely will be more common in the future so he's basically asking to like incorporate this library that kind of helps auto code or auto complete on a more advanced level. Um, it would be nice if that was incorporated into the scripting app. So cool stuff if you want to watch that video. And then uh, finally, just to, if you're interested in kind of low code, no code, here's an article. I think um, I can't remember who posted this in the air in the built on air community. Might have been Jen. Was it you? I can't remember. But uh, maybe Kavan or someone uh, posted this and and uh, good article if you're looking to just kind of stay on top of of the world of low code and no code. Um, and uh, that's everything we've got. So before we move on, I found I found our comic for the day. So let me uh, bring this up. So X. So you guys have been to this website. This is kind of the developer uh, comic um, strips for for geeks and whatnot. Um, shoot, that wasn't the right one. 
There we go. Yeah, <laughs> we're having some computer trouble. <clears throat> Did you really name your son Robert, comma, drop table? So that's SQL injection right there. That came. Oh, yes, little Bobby tables, we call them. <laughs> well, we lost the student records. I hope you're happy. And I hope you learned to sanitize your database inputs. <laughs> So there's our comic for the day for, for us uh, developer geeks. And uh, so now if you know little Bobby tables, that's what it's referring to. Let's see. That's funny. Very good. All right, let's move on. Quick uh, spotlight on Ontario, our primary sponsor. So Ontario is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that allow you to do a variety of different things with your tables. If you're running a business, you need to check out Ontario.com and use the apps to um, run your business. Today, I'm going to highlight, and you might have seen this in the Airtable community, Hannah, who's amazing and works with us and, and, and um, does all the content for Onto Air and has been a guest on our show as well. Um, she wrote up a um, tutorial and and did a spotlight on another uh expert amazing cherry yang who uh runs a consulting business i don't know if we've had cherry on yet we got to get cherry on our show and talk cherry. to her so cherry you got to join us um but this is a spotlight talking about how she's using onto air in her consulting business and in particular how she's using our integrations with um, google docs to build um Google files, Google doc files that generate PDFs for her clients and has been, um, has had great success. It's been great working with Cherry and her team and um, they're building some really cool stuff and they've really enjoyed the power of using Google docs. You know, you can, you can create documents the way that you want and then populate them with uh, Airtable. You can build tables that extend beyond a single page you can you can get more advanced in your uh, templating and things like that. There we go, Kavan. She was on, so she was on on our previous uh, format. So we we need to get her on the live show. But thanks, Kavan, for bringing that up and just kind of see highlights of quotes and ways you can do that. So if you're doing any kind of sales templates or anything in Airtable and using Google Docs or want to use Google Docs, check out our Ontario integrations. These are all currently under our um, on, Ontario Actions app as functions within there. Um, we are working on pulling these out and making them their own separate um, app. So that is coming in the coming months, but check those out on tear.com. Moving on, Jen is going to walk us through some cool stuff that she's built. I'm going to share your screen. Take it away, Jen. There it is. <laughs> Jen was caught reading. Uh, so I wanted to show, yeah, I oh, know. I wanted to show the, the XKCD. Uh, there's a really cool um, graphic about whether it's worth the time, whether you should automate it or whether you should do it manually, like how much you'll save if you spend, you know, certain amount of time trying to make it more automatic, how much your time you'll save. So it's pretty cool comic. Nice. Um, but in the interest of saving time, I created a CRM base to manage leads coming from my website and just from in general. Um, because I used to have a discovery call on my website where you could just book directly in Calendly, 
And then I realized that people were booking and canceling or I wasn't qualifying leads. And I was just spending a lot of time in discovery calls that people may or may not be ready to invest. So I started, I created a CRM that allows me to have a um, form on my website, which is just an Airtable form. And basically people are able to say what type of information they're looking for. And I automate emails based on what they're interested in. So they fill in a form on the contact request, and then I'm able to give them their, the spiel, and then they can schedule a call or not. And I have it for my coaching. There's a, a software I no longer work with, so if I get an inquiry on that, I can just be like, here's some products I saw on it, or here's where to find other people that still do that software. And like my Airtable, I explain my process here, and those emails go out automatically. Usually people get the emails right away, and then they'll book a discovery call. I use Zapier to update the CRM to tell me a discovery call is booked so I can keep track of it. And then once I've gotten on a call with them and then they decide to move forward, either I send a proposal automatically or I send a link to my systems consults, which are like the next step of working quick, with me. Quick question, Jen. Do you use, uh, did you have Zapier set up from the get-go or like why do you use Zapier versus an, an automation? Um, to capture Calendly. Oh, so, for Calendly. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I, I use Calendly for my bookings. Gotcha. Um, I pick up those. And then also like when someone books, I still use Dubsado for proposals for um, basically for my retainers. So when someone books, I use Zapier to update my CRM. It creates a new toggle entry um, so I can start charging time. And then it also creates a new Asana project with a skeleton based on the type of project. Um, so I have everything kind of already set up and then it sends an email to the client with like a link to a kickoff call. And then it sends an email to my assistant to let them know that we're onboarding a new client. So I don't have to do any onboarding once I send links to proposals. And because my proposal is like a, a pre-made proposal, I don't have to fill in any information. It They can set up themselves in my booking platform, sign the contract and pay automatically. So same thing with a systems consult. Once they book, it'll update here. It'll copy my um, my list of things that they have to fill out before the systems consult, send them the, the information in the file, and then send them a link to book their systems consult. So it's all very like straightforward and saves me a lot of time onboarding new clients. Very cool. And then if they don't book a systems consult right away, then it follows up within five days to be like, hey, did you still want to book? And I just do that based on the last time I sent out uh, when the status was last changed. So mm -hmm. it saves a lot of time because everything's already preset. So basically, I just have to be in a discovery call, sort them into the proper path, and then kind of let the system follow up for me. Yeah. And did you switch from another CRM to Airtable? Or have you always just used Airtable? So I was using... It's using Dubsado for a really long time, but it's not a very good CRM. There's no database aspect to it. Um, so I moved to Airtable probably in the last year just because I was tired of keeping track of everyone in Asana. <laughs> so I would have like Dubsado via CRM, but really I was tracking everyone in Asana. So I'd have to like go back, see who I haven't followed up with, send an email, update their task in Asana and keep track that way. And then I realized that having it more organized and automated allowed me to have more space and time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, but but you said you still use Asana for your project management. You haven't you haven't committed to your table there. No, I haven't. Just because like tasks, <laughs> I like checking things off. I like the rainbows and stuff like that. Um, I think that it's just I've already had it built. In, I mean, I've been in business for ten years, so like I do have some bad habits. <laughs> I just won't break. <laughs> so it, it sometimes it's just easier. Like the reason why I still use Zapsato is because I've had it for so long and it's like dirt cheap for me. And I just don't feel like ripping it out and finding a new proposal platform just to say, this is how much it costs to start working with me. Yeah. 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 We're the same in, in our consulting business. We, we use uh, ClickUp for, for our project management and not, <laughs> we could, it's like, Sometimes it's like if you're, you know, it's if you're uh, if you're a landscaper, your lawn may not be the prettiest because you're working on like if we wanted to, we could probably build a really tricked out project management system in Airtable. But there's already project management systems out there that have everything you need. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the, like you're to your point, the cobbler is poor children have no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I could stop working on client work for a couple of days and do all this, but I'm like, eh, it's just, it's on my list for my assistant to work on in her free time. And like when she doesn't have any project to work on. So yeah. it's just like on our list of like all the things that we want to do one day. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested, I do have on my store a, um, a template that you can buy, which is similar to this, that you can use for your own business and customize them. So. Cool. And that's uh, growwithgen.com, right? Uh, it's store.growwithgen.com. That's my um, digital products. You can okay. find it on my website too, but okay. it's the actual. All right. And you don't just work in the uh, agriculture business. No, I do not. <laughs> I, I don't make plants. Um, I did find somebody who had a similar website to me, but it had two ends, which is really funny because most of the time people put two ends on my name. So I'm sure there's a lot of people looking at her site and it's a lifestyle brand. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it because my last name is double D. So everyone thinks it's double N, but it's right. not. So I'm really picky about it too. It's very funny. <laughs> but my website, so I have to kind of be picky. <laughs> there's so many ways to spell Allie. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> I know with Allie with yours, whenever I'm spelling it, it's like, is it two L's on the Allie or on the Alosa? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, I grew up, with everybody being named Jen and we tried to all be different and we all just ended up with like three or four. Like when someone has like two F or one F or two Fs in their names and one N, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, for sure. My high school Very had cool. four different Camille's and we all spelled it with a K somehow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Very small school. <laughs> Don't know how that happened. That's Jen, I was going to ask, have you uh, implemented interfaces yet with your CRM? I have not, and mostly because I've just been building them for other people. Yeah. Um, I I do like tracking and metrics, but I'm also a spreadsheet person. How <laughs> dare you! <laughs> My like, I, I was doing something. They're like, we need profit and loss. I'm like, do you want it way or do you want it now? <laughs> I can give it to you in five minutes or I can give, I can spend like three hours putting in wave. They're like, yeah, the spreadsheet's fine, but it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm old school. It's, it's bad. I was an accountant for a really long time. So I just have like really weird accounting. Yeah. Idiosyncrasies. I, I still have Excel installed on my computer. This might be something I demo later, but I um, finally got around to sorting out my business finances and I'm, I've, 
elected not to use QuickBooks or Quicken, I'm going to attempt to do it all in, in Airtable and we'll see how that goes this tax season. And if it's a success, I will demonstrate how you can do it in Airtable. Nice. I, I think it, ha it has the ability to do it. Like when I download my um, my credit card transactions, I use Airtable to sort them quickly because I will just mm -hmm. I can just group them and sort them. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm still downloading them to Excel. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Don't tell Airtable. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So definitely uh, CRMs is obviously a very common uh, use case. So if you'd like to get a starter plate, check out uh, store.growwithgen.com and feel free to reach out uh, to Jen. Check out our website, growwithgen.com. And thank you for sharing that, Jen. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. We're going to dive into the new conditional logic with Camille, conditional automations. Okay, so I'm going to walk through a sort of fairly general use case. Um, I have a, a table with a date field set up. And let's say um, every week you want to check for new submissions to that table. So you would set up a trigger that's every week on Sunday in the morning. Um, and then you would have an action that would appear. And this one I'm doing find all records in that table. Um, my condition being within the last seven days. And you'll notice that I have zero records that have been found when I did this test for the automation. Before conditional actions, um, I would within my regular actions section, I would have done um, a send an email um, action and it would be pre-filled with the table of records found from the find records step. But in this case, there's zero records. So do I want an email that says, here, look at this list of nothing? <laughs> not. um, or maybe I want a different email to be sent to me. So that's where conditional actions comes in handy. So um, we have your trigger, you have actions that will happen all the time, no matter what, whenever the trigger happens, this list of actions will follow. And then conditional actions are as they sound, they're conditional. So I'm gonna add a new group of conditional actions. You can have multiple groups of conditions. The first one we're going to do, um, run this group if the records length is greater than zero. So if the number of records that are found is more than zero, then it's going to fail. And that's okay. Um, because I'm going to do another conditional group if record length is zero, and then I'm going to test that one. Successful. Um, and now you can kind of see what the difference between these two is. If record length is greater than zero, what I want to do then is send an email to me.
um, new records. And then I want to do inserting all of the records that were found as a, let's say a grid, select all. Um, and then it's not going to let me preview because there's actually no records to preview. But if no records, um, no records are found, maybe I still want to send an email. This email could be sent to someone else. In this case, it's still going to be me. No records. Sorry, no records this week. Um, just as like a practical example of what the difference between those are. Um, I've seen examples posted um, where, uh, depending on um, if you have a particular record that's triggering, so not at a scheduled time, but you know when a record matches conditions or when a record enters a view, for instance, you can send notifications to different people um, using conditional actions. So in in this case, I said send an email to me no matter what, but you could say send an email to Dan if if the post is, uh, you know, needs edits or send it to me if it's ready to publish or something like that. Um, and uh, just like with um, regular action conditions, you can start to collapse them or expand them. Each of these groups can have their own labels so you can better differentiate between them. Um, if you don't assign a description um, or a label to a group of actions, it will uh, be as descriptive as it can be. So you'll notice it's using the condition I used to label this group. So if records length is greater than zero, um, and then the list of actions. Um, you can move actions up or down. Um, like if you wanted to add an action above within this group, you can do that. I don't think you can move. Yeah, you can't move actions between groups. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, if you created a um, action step in the wrong conditional group or in the regular um, group of actions, be aware that you can't move that action somewhere else. You're going to have to recreate it. Hopefully that's not too big of an issue though. Um, but yeah, conditional actions are, um, I think a pretty useful addition to the um, automation structure. There are a couple things to note when using conditional actions. So um, the flow of this would be um, like an if statement in formulas, if you're familiar. So I can continue to add um, another group of conditional actions. However, once um, one of these conditions are met, the automation will stop. So um, it makes sense in this case because it's a dichotomy, either something, um, well, it's not a dichotomy because there's three options, but if um, the record's length is greater than zero, then it will run and it won't even bother checking this one because this condition was met. So think of it in terms of if you had your conditions based on a single select field, for instance, where you had, you know, in progress, ready and published. If you have one condition for in progress, it's not going to bother checking those other two conditional actions that you would set up because it's already been fulfilled. Um, 
there are different um, solutions to having um, automation like uh, features like Zapier and Integromat and Parabola and like a billion others that I'm forgetting um, where they can let you explore different branches, mm -hmm. um, if you will. Um, Airtable's automations um, as of today will find one of these conditional actions in the sequence that they are vertically. And as soon as one of them is met, it'll stop. And you can only go one layer, so you can't have conditionals in one of those conditional blocks. Yes. So um, this logic needs to sort of account for all that you need. Um, so if you look at the conditions that you can apply, it's unlike um, if you if you have a filter for a view, you could have condition groups where you could do and and or logic combined. It's not quite that sophisticated here yet. You can either and or or, but you can't do both here. So, you know, it's not perfect yet, but you can use dynamic variables. So um, um, I go back and edit. If you wanted to use information from a previous step to set what your uh, condition value must be greater than or equal to or, or less than, what have you. You can do that, which is nice, but you can't have um, condition groups. So another thing to keep in mind. Are conditions required? Can you have a catch-all at the end that doesn't have any conditions? I think so. Maybe. Um, yes. So um, at the end, you know what? I can actually, I think I can delete this. Okay. Something to note. You can't delete non-empty groups. So I'm going to delete this one I'm starting to make. And I'm going to change this to if no other conditions are met. There you go. So, you know, this is the if, um, yeah. if yes, do this. If not, do this. This is the if not. Um, Does that only show for the last one? If you click on the, the group above? Yes. So um, new groups cannot be created after an otherwise group. So if I change this back to if conditions are met and I make some new limit. So if the length is, you know, five or something, uh, then I can make one more condition group or, you know, I don't know what the limit of condition groups are. I'm sure it's written somewhere, but I've forgotten. But at, once you're uh, finished writing out all of your condition groups, you can add the if no other conditions are met at the end, and it must be at the end, and you can't move them up or down. Or no, you can. Well, I don't think you can move them, but you can insert one above or below. So kind of. Um, I think, can you drag them? Can you drag it? I feel like I tried and it wouldn't let me. I thought you could. I guess it, I think it makes sense that you can't, well, maybe not the conditionals. You should, I feel like you should be able to drag the conditionals around, but dragging steps around would dress dragging up yeah. how, how everything else is flowing. Yeah, I don't think steps should be able to be dragged. That makes sense to me. But I feel like if the condition group isn't an otherwise, it would be nice if you could drag them. Agreed. Because it does follow the sequence that they're ordered. So first it's going to check if it's greater than zero, and then it's going to check if it's equal to five. So this actually won't work. Um, if it's five, 
it's greater than zero, right? So it's going to stop here once this is run true um, and it, it won't do this. So if you wanted to do this implementation, you would have to add another condition where the record length is less than five, mm -hmm. greater than zero, but less than five. And if I test this, it won't work because the number is zero. Um, but th these are things to keep in mind when you're writing out conditions uh, that all conditions must not be met for the next one to be checked. And then if that one isn't checked, you could have a catch-all at the end. Um, and this catch-all, you don't necessarily need a catch-all. You could just have it do nothing. Or if you want this catch-all to be like, uh, send a message to Slack or, you know, um, update some other record, you can still do that. Yeah. So just some comments before we move on. Yeah. So you can't have a run all at the end. Anything that you want to run every time has to be in that upper section. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, Justin also mentioned you don't need a, a, an upper section. You could just make all of your tasks be within the conditional. Yep. And um, yeah, but there would be nice to have like a section below that ran after the conditional actions every time or something. That's not possible. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Thanks, Camille. Diving into that. So definitely um, some good things. I do think that at some point, I hope they can at least add some kind of toggle that allows you to run all tasks that match versus just the first one. I think mm -hmm. there are times when you kind of need that that multi-branching approach. Um, it'd be nice if you say, okay, for these, for this, you know, uh, automation, this is the the strategy I want. But we shall see if they ever do that. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. All right. One quick plug before we move on for our Built On Air community. Please join us if you haven't already. builtonair.com slash join. And especially join our Slack community. It's definitely gotten a lot more lively the last couple of months. We're slowly creeping up to a thousand members. I really want to get to a thousand members. We're about 40 members off. So tell your friends to join us on, on Built On Air's uh, Slack community. And it's a great group of people. All of us are in there and active and love to meet new people using Airtable. So join us at uh, builtonair.com. And for our final segment, Allie is going to walk us through some a cool hack that she's got ready for us. All right. All right. So I'm going to fly through this. So this use case is um, a way to use Airtable's native forms to add a record if it doesn't already exist. It's a little bit janky, but if you are really gung-ho on using just native Airtable, this will work pretty well. Um, so let's say I've got a really just very, very simple CRM here with no even emails in it at all. Uh, so I've got uh, contacts and then I've got interactions. Um, and I have a form here to be able to add an interaction. And let's say for this, for the purposes of this demo, this is all going to, this would just be an internal form as you know, you don't usually want to expose a whole contact list in a form. Um, but let's say I wanted to choose myself from this list and I'm not there. So what do I do? 
normally I would just have to go into the base and add myself. Um, but I'm going to just show a quick little hack. So here I've set up a contact form and I only have two fields here. Um, I'm going to grab the URL for that form and I'm going to add it in the uh, description of the contact link record field. Like, don't see the option you're looking for. Click here first. And so now, first I would go to my contact form and then I would add the contact, but that's not enough yet. Last thing I wanna do is redirect from my contact form. So I can redirect myself back to my interaction. And I can add a little pre-fill uh, parameter at the end where I'm saying contact equals. And if you look really closely here, you can use this as a placeholder for the ID of the record that's created by this form. So if I just insert that in replacement of what that record ID would be, and hit save. Now, now I'm just going to refresh existing space, add myself, and submit. It will redirect me back to my interactions form with that record selected. Awesome. So, Very nice. Quick little thing might be helpful. Absolutely. I wish there was a way where it didn't give you that thank you page first, where it just automatically sent you to your redirect URL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. That's a nice, very useful uh, trick to, to get in your system. So thank you, Ali, for sharing that. Any, any final parting comments before we end today's show? Not for me. Looking forward to hearing more. On our table, hopefully. Yeah, Scott Rose agrees. Cool hack. That's very useful. Yeah, very good. And good to have just... everybody with us, Camille, Ali, as always, and Jen. Thank you for coming on. Love to always have you on and see what you're working on. Join us again. So, everybody else, we love to see what you guys are building on air. Feel free to sh uh, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on as well if you've got something cool that you want to share with us. Uh, let us know. Until then, we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com. And we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.